Thank you for joining us. You're tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Latino politics and news across social media. You can listen to us on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston's community station, and you can see us on www.fox26houston.com. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Happy to be your host. And just to let folks know, of course, we have our sister program, Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, which I'm also very happy to host. I'm also happy to be a panelist on What's Your Point on Fox 26 Houston. And I am the author of the upcoming book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. Today, we have a candidate spotlight with Judge Leslie Briones. She is a candidate in the Democratic side for Harris County Commissioner Precinct 4. This is a redrawn district, so we really want to inform the community about what that means. And we also want to make sure that folks understand how important it is to vote. So, Judge Briones, thank you so much for taking the time to, to meet with us. Thank you, Mr. Diaz. I appreciate the opportunity. This is a really important election because the most recent indications make us believe that 3% of the population will decide how we're governed. That means we're looking at a low turnout event. And we want to really focus on the importance of voter turnout. Now, uh, Judge Briones, you are a candidate for the Harris County Commissioner's Precinct 4. Um, I want to hear more about your story. This is a brand new district, but let's educate the community. So there's actually three phases in voting. It sounds simple, right? Just vote. Just vote. Uh, tell us about at least three of the phases when it comes to voting. So, yes. Well, thank you again, Mr. Diaz, for the opportunity. And thank you for your leadership. You do so much for our Latino community and beyond. And you you really are one of the giants in our community. So thank you, Mr. Diaz. So, yes, I am running for Harris County Commissioner, Precinct 4. And I look forward to telling you all about the new Precinct 4. The three points in 2022 where we need all voters to show up is first the March primary. That is the primary, so the Republican primary or Democratic primary. Early voting, actually, it just ended yesterday. So people can go vote on this Tuesday, March 1st, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Then there's a runoff, May 24th, for any Republican or Democratic candidates who may not have gotten over 50%. And some of these races, as you will see, have seven or more candidates. So we'll need to show up in May. And then whoever is the Republican and Democrat, excuse me, nominee, then they'll be on the ballot in November for the general election. So there's three, March, May, and November. And all of this information is available on harrisvotes.com. And if you're not registered to vote, there's deadlines before each election that you'll need to meet in order to vote. So if you missed registering for March 1st, please be sure you register over 30 days in advance for the May runoff. You bring up a great point. 
And of course, on other shows, we're going to talk about some of these um, policies that shape when folks can or cannot vote. But you mentioned that if you're not registered to vote up to now, it's too late for the for the primary because you have to register 30 days before the election. But like you pointed out, folks can still get registered for the May runoffs and for sure in the ge the general election in, in November. Um, my son is turning 18 March 3rd. So, so we've been very aware of these, these deadlines. He, he's not going to participate in the primaries, but he is eager to vote in the runoffs and in November as well. And we do want folks to understand that um, if you're, the, the last thing I want to say too for our community, if you can't vote for any reason, be it age or immigration status, so for example, permanent residents cannot register to vote, they can still be involved. We need you because you are watching this or listening to this to become that ambassador for your family, to tell the youth in your family, make sure they're registered or tell your relatives and friends about the primary and then also the general election and then also any runoffs. By the way, there's no special elections right now. Well, there was a special election recently for one of the city council districts. That's what makes it a little bit confusing because you hear about just voting and then there's all these different ways to, to get involved. But you mentioned every vote really counts because there's a very low turnout. Um, before we get to your particular um, race, tell folks a little bit about why a low turnout really is important for our community to, to represent and come out and, and get involved. Absolutely. So when you think of it, I got an email yesterday saying, and of all eligible Texas voters, only 3% have come out to vote in this March 1st primary. Do you think about it? Do you want your decisions, your elected officials to be chosen by 3% of your fellow Texans? And in Harris County, we've had similar, very low turnout. So it is important because every vote actually counts. I had a friend run for city council last cycle and she lost by 11 votes, wow. 11. 11 people made the difference. And so I know that there is an apathy that some people hold or some of us come from different countries and may think that, oh, well, what does it matter? It's already predetermined. No, you determine the election. And I have some numbers from precinct four. Mm -hmm. Not only do we have to vote, but again, going back to registration, we have such opportunity as Latinos to make sure we have enough people, basically every eligible person should be registered to vote. And then we need to show up because as Latinos, we're almost half of Harris County. We're mm -hmm. a little over 45%. And in precinct four, Latinos are 40%. So we're almost half of this county. Wow. We need to use our voice and we absolutely must vote because it does matter. And I don't know about you, but think of 11 random people you know. I don't <laughs> think you want 11 people that you know picking your leader. You need to pick your leader. And to me, my parents used to always take us to vote with them since we could, you know, since we were babies, actually. And so I think that's one way we can pay it forward and make voting 
just you have to be you have to do it religiously every single election so take your kids ingrain it in them and congratulations on your son about to be 18 and i used to be a public school teacher and so to me that's the number one opportunity is making sure everybody who's just about to be eligible to vote gets registered that's wonderful appreciate you your time in the in the classroom and Maybe also folks can say your vote is right now at this moment worth 33 times more than normal. And, and last thing, last thing we'll say about this is that, um, so my, my, uh, cell phone, my email, my address, it's on the registration for voters because I'm getting inundated with, with messages. Having said that, I know right now someone is tuning in that has access to maybe some of these young folks that just got involved in, like we mentioned, it's a little complicated. You mentioned 11 folks can make a difference. I personally, I know 20 folks that are off the traditional radars that can get involved. So if you're tuning in, we're deputizing you to reach out to your community members. Now we're going to complicate things a little more in the next segment. When we talk about your district, which is Harris County precinct Four, which has been redrawn. It's about 40% Latino. But before we get there, let's talk about something that people can wrap their heads around quickly. Your story, Judge Briones, because it is a Laredo, you're bilingual, you're Ivy League, but at the same time, you are down home Houston. Uh, tell us a little about your story and your trajectory. Yes, Mr. Diaz. So, sí, soy de Laredo, soy mexicana-americana. Uh, nací, crecí en la frontera. So, I'm... Mexican-American. I was born and raised on the border in Laredo, Texas. My parents are teachers, so they always taught us that you should use your talents and opportunities to serve others. So public service was always key in my home. And they also stressed that education was everything. So thanks to scholarships, student loans, I um, was able to go to Harvard for college. And then I went back after graduation and I was, I was a public school teacher. So I taught eighth and 10th grade, which I loved. And then I had always wanted to be a lawyer because I thought that was the way I could push for social justice and social change. So I went to law school and again, thanks to loans and that I'm still paying off <laughs> and went to Yale for law school. And then I've been in Houston the last 15 years. So I'm a lawyer. I have been serving as one of your civil court judges the last almost three years. And I'm an adjunct professor at University of Houston Law Center. And I also recently started this statewide nonprofit called Texas Latinx Judges because we need to diversify the bench. And frankly, we need to diversify all levels of um, elected officials and different positions within you know, city, county, state, and federal government. And then my pride and joy are my three daughters. And with your help, when I'm elected, I will be the very first mother ever elected to serve on Harris County Commissioner's wow. Court. So como Latinos, la familia es todo. You know, wow. as Latinos, family is everything to us. And we really need that perspective of a mother on Commissioner's Court. And I'll only be the third woman ever elected in her own right to Commissioner's Court. And so I need your help making that change happen. Um, and my husband, Adan, is is also Latino from the border from El Paso. So I really want to take that experience from the classroom from the courtroom and from the boardroom. I was also a nonprofit leader for eight years in, in that mix. And so I wanna take these perspectives and as a woman, as a Latina, as a mother, as a wife, I want to put that to work um, to building a Harris County where all of our families have a fair shot at thriving. And you know, Mr. Diaz, the American dream worked for 
for us and it needs to work for everybody. And I know that's why, you know, my ancestors came to this country and why so many came because we believe in the American dream. So we need to make sure it works. That's powerful. And I also want to commend you. Uh, let's brag about you just a little more, because I think especially for um, for Americans, Latinos, we're trained not to brag about ourselves, uh, but we should lead as as servant leaders. And I think you're a great example of that. So I do want to you kind of read quickly the two big lines in your resume. Uh, big deal that you went to Harvard undergraduate and Yale Law School. So I want to pause there because these are uh, some of the um, oldest in educational institutions in the nation. And not often that our youth get uh, access to these particular educational institutions. So that's fantastic. Thank you. But, but here's what I want to focus on. You're bilingual, Latina, Ivy League undergraduate, Ivy League advanced degree. You could be rolling in dough in the corporate sector, okay? <laughs> okay? Without a doubt, easily. Yet you chose to serve as an educator and you were in the classroom. And right now, I love that you're an adjunct professor of law because I also, I'm going to make a commercial here for adjunct professors. Most folks don't understand that adjunct professors do not get paid as much as full-time professors. They do excellent work because they're teaching uh, specific classes. So I think people should understand that adjunct professors are giving their time, energy, intelligence back to the community. You've done that several times. Why did you invest back in education in the ground instead of profiting from the corporate world and experience that you could have easily gained access to? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words, Mr. Diaz. I, I do love school and I, I love learning. So that will serve me well as your next commissioner. But the truth is education. I go back to education. And again, my parents are teachers. I think it's in my blood teaching. But I, as a mother, you know, and, and as a former teacher and as someone who's been a student, to me, teachers are the foundation of this country and of this world. And to me, I deeply believe that education is the great equalizer. And I'm just grateful because so many of, of my friends, you know, they're happy and they stayed in Laredo, which is wonderful, but they didn't have the same access to the educational opportunities that I have. And I am grateful for everybody who invested in me and gave me the opportunities, the student loans, the scholarships, the letters of recommendation. And so I am committed to spending the rest of my career to making sure I'm empowering and not only an elected office, but in everyday life, you know, you're a mentor to so many, Mr. Diaz. I think it's incumbent on us. It's a moral obligation that we pay it forward and that we empower the next generation. Oftentimes our family members, because of maybe English access or not, education access or not, do not get involved in different issues or they're just working too darn hard. Having said that, in the past, our family members have been able to do that and the next generation succeeds, sometimes through education as appears to be the case with you. Um, and they can, the next generation then can progress, achieve the American dream and so forth. I'm gonna say that in my view, 
that is in danger. Uh, I'm going to say because of soaring uh, college costs, increased student debt. Uh, I'm going to say because of uh, the way education is being treated right now. The American dream through education is at risk, in my opinion. Having said that, um, it, let's talk about issues that will affect folks in their own backyards. What are some of your views on education so that people can understand, um, one, a little about how your district is shaped, but how that would look for schools, education in our communities? A little broad question, but also what I'd like to do is make it a kitchen table issue. As well. Sure, sure. First, let me tell you all about the new precinct four and how it came about, and then I'll I'll shift to education and some other issues that might be ones that were that you're wrestling with, and certainly ones that my family has as well. So first of all, these new precincts, why did they come about? Well, every 10 years, the lines are redrawn based on the census. So many of you may have taken the 2020 census. Hopefully you did. And so the lines were redrawn. There's four precincts in Harris County. And as many of you know, Harris County is bigger than 26 states, 26 states. So imagine our wonderful Harris County divided into four. So as county commissioner, you lead one of the precincts, but you also have one of five votes because there's four precincts and one county judge. Our current county judge is Judge Lina Hidalgo, another Latina. And we so we have one vote over all of Harris County, and then you are in charge of your precinct. So what does a commissioner do? People are more familiar with their city council person or mayor, but what does a commissioner do? So a commissioner works on everything from potholes and sidewalks and you know your parks, neighborhood parks, all the way to big issues to criminal justice reform, voting access in the county, health care, education, homelessness, human trafficking. And as you can imagine, within Harris County, we have the city of Houston, which is primary, but we also have Stafford and Katy and many other cities within the county. And so part of being a commissioner is working very closely with the cities within your area, as well as partnering and lobbying the state to make sure that we are getting what we need here in Harris County and also working with the federal delegation. So it's very much a partnership. And so that is the new Precinct 4. What I love about Precinct 4 is it's a majority minority district. It's 40% Latino, 20% African American, about 14% Asian American, and the rest white. And going back to the importance of voting. So within precinct four, we have about half a million Latinos. Of the half a million, about 350,000 are voting age population, 350,000. Of that 350,000, only 108,000, so about, let's call it 100,000 are registered to vote. Less than a third, are registered to vote. Again, a huge opportunity. We're 40% of this precinct. So my goal is not only as a proud Latina to serve our Latino community in precinct four, but to serve all the communities in precinct four. And even those, you know, when you have a pothole, it doesn't have an R or a D next to it, right? When you need that light fixed in your park, it doesn't have an R or D. So I'm committed to serving everybody in precinct four in Harris County. And so some of the key issues, and I'm happy to go into more detail, Mr. Diaz, that we're focused on is one is public safety. 
We've talked to tens of thousands of voters and that is top of mind. Happy to go into my ideas on that. Two is flood mitigation, especially in West Harris County where much of Precinct 4 is. Flood mitigation is substantial as is healthcare and education and economic opportunity rebounding from the pandemic. So I'm happy to go into additional detail there, but those are some of the key issues. And next time when you're in a county park, look, because you'll see, you know, the county city interplay, which is, is a fascinating one. So I hope to serve as your commissioner for precinct four. Thank you very much. And actually my camera just went out. That's how hard we are working here. So um, I'm just going to talk to you through the, through the uh, microphone, but I think a lot of times folks don't understand all the uh, duties that county commissioners have. And you mentioned several education, safety, just the parks. Some of the county commissioner parks are massive. Those are massive tracts of land. We also have the, the Harris County libraries, which are also major uh, institutions. Talk to us a little bit about the educational side. Uh, what are some duties of the Harris County Commissioner that perhaps our gente don't understand or don't realize that they're benefiting from and need to keep uh, getting services from? Right. So we do have a Harris County Department of Education. And as a teacher and as a, a mother, a very concerned mother, I want to make sure we're maximizing the Harris County Department of Education. So it offers after school services. It offers enrichment programs, it, and it needs to do more, quite frankly, it's summer enrichment programs, but it also services students um, with special learning needs. And the Harris County Department of Education can partner with your school district. So making sure you have the resources for your particular child and their learning needs. The truth of the matter is most of the change with regard to education actually happens at the state level. But again, I see everything as a collaboration and partnership. So we need Harris County and all of the school districts within Harris County working closely with the state to making sure that we're getting the funding and the resources that we need. But at the end of the day, I want to take a deep, deep dive as commissioner into the Department of Education to make sure that we're not only expanding the resources, but making sure we're getting the word out because there are so many resources available. But it, as a parent, I know it's hard to, to rifle through all the information to find what you need. So that's a kind of macro goal I have is to make the information readily accessible. And, and as you alluded to, there's so many different levels of government that, that also intersect. So for example, you mentioned flooding. I know for a fact that there's parts of certain areas where the city may have a role, the county may have a role. Um, the, you've got federal roles as well for flooding. So I'm glad that you're putting that um, as part of your uh, some of your duties. What would you like people to know about your your candidacy? Well, first of all, I would be grateful for your vote. I am the most experienced candidate, and I have a multifaceted experience. I want to bring my experience from the classroom, from the courtroom, as a nonprofit leader, as a mother, to bear to get to work for Harris County. And again, what drives me is making sure that every family has a fair shot, a fair shot at being safe, a fair shot at thriving, and a fair shot at getting access to affordable health care. And I will work tirelessly. I am driven 
by wanting to contribute to our community. Again, my parents are teachers. It's been ingrained in me, and I want to spend the rest of my career serving Harris County and our community. And I need your help making history. Let's get the first mother on Harris County Commissioner's Court elected. And even far beyond, I mean, this is this goes so, so much further beyond me. At the end of the day, what matters most is that we get registered to vote and that we vote and we vote in every single election because your vote is your voice and your power. And as Latinos, again, we're almost half of Harris County. So we need to be voting in the numbers that we have because that's the way change is gonna come. And I think that we can't sit and complain if we don't take action. And the key way you can take action is voting. Again, in 2022, there'll be three elections, March 1st, primary, the runoff in May, May 24th, and then the general election, November 8th. So we need you. And if you are already registered and a voter and you want to get further involved, I invite you to look at my website, lesliebriones.com, or any other candidate that energizes you because we are making calls, texting, block walking, knocking on doors, talking to tens of thousands of voters, because that's the way change happens. People need to know that you are listening and that you care. And that is what I commit to you. I will always listen and I will absolutely always care. And Mr. Diaz, I am very grateful for the opportunity to be on today. I hope this is the first of many conversations. And again, I hope to serve as your next Harris County Commissioner Precinct 4, and you can learn more at lesliebriones.com. So bueno, siempre adelante, tenemos que votar, y su voto es su voz y su poder. Así que muchas gracias. Thank you so much. Please go vote. Thank you so much for taking the time and for your dedication to public service. Uh, along the lines of educating folks, we want to remind you that if you are in Harris County, you can go to harrisvotes.com. There's a tab that says sample ballot. If you click on that, and if you're registered to vote, you'll put your name, first name in one section, last name in second section, then your street address. You can get a sample ballot for any of the upcoming elections, but that's great because then you can research who the candidates are, print that out for your family members, and you can actually walk into a voting booth with that material. So. If your family doesn't know about that, that's a great way to do that. You are tuning in to a multi- platform broadcast of Latino politics and news. This is Tony Diaz, a Libro Traficante, author of the upcoming book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. Today's topic, we are going back to an important issue that we'll be studying throughout, throughout the months to come. The key question, does Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick Consider Mexican American Studies CRT. That's just the tip of the pyramid. We're going to delve further and further into that. Of course, you're joining us on a multi platform broadcast of Latino politics and news. Thanks for watching us across social media, or maybe you're listening on 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. 
where it all started, or maybe you're watching this on www.fox26houston.com. Either way you got here, we're glad you're here. Spread the word. And this is an important issue because this could get swept up in all the different variations of this discussion. So let me make it very simple. Does Republican Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, consider Mexican American Studies CRT? This is the first question that came to my mind after a recent press conference that he held about his latest crusade. So you may have heard that Patrick wants to end tenure for professors at public universities. And I'll be honest, that's probably a little abstract for folks at home, because here we're talking about tenure, job security. It's also coded in academic language. We're not going to touch that. And let's let people know, professors from public institutions, they're speaking out against that already. It's the second part that's very alarming to me. He also said he wants to go after professors who are teaching critical race theory. Now, forget all the myths and generalizations that politicians like him have been using to bully kindergarten to 12th grade teachers, administrators, parents, students, and librarians. Forget all the mumbo-jumbo, the cliches that have been used to chill teaching at those levels. Critical Race Theory is an actual book. It's an actual course taught at the university level, especially at the graduate school level in different areas such as sociology, history, in the legal department, and those are the same professors who also teach Mexican-American history and African-American history, which address issues about race, ethnicity, and guess what? History. All those are topics that keep getting swept in rambling definitions about CRT. And I'm not going to waste my time trying to find a thread in the stereotypes about CRT that the far right is trying to push. Let's get specific. Dan Patrick is now passing policies that are going to affect, that could affect Mexican-American history. So Dan Patrick needs to reveal if in his mind, Mexican-American studies, Mexican-American history, and African-American history fall into his definition of CRT. Let's also get something clear. Dan Patrick has a track record that shows he's no friend of ethnic studies, okay? And I got receipts. I'm going to share those receipts with you. Just one right now because there's more. During the last legislative session, Dan Patrick, in his role as Texas Lieutenant Governor, he killed House Bill 1504. That proposed law would allow African-American history and Mexican-American history to count towards high school graduation requirements. This bill was co-authored by bipartisan folks. You had Democrats, State Representative Christina Morales, Gene Wu, Alma Allen, and Jarvis Johnson on the Democratic side co-authoring that bill. Republican Dan Huberty was a co-author of that bill also. So again, 
bipartisan support to come up with the best education possible for our youth. That bill made history as the first ethnic studies bill to pass the Texas House of Representatives. It also got bipartisan support and passed the Senate Education Committee. That's all great news. Here's the bad news. The same days I would go to the Capitol and see politicians uniting across party lines to build education for our youth, those same days I would walk back onto the House floor and I'd see intense arguments over critical race theory dividing those officials along party lines. But let's get something straight. If House Bill 1504 had been allowed a full vote on the Texas Senate, it would have received the bipartisan support to to pass. Right? It would wind up on the governor's desk, I feel. Instead, at 3 a.m. on the last day possible, Dan Patrick, who decides the Senate agenda, he killed the bill supporting African-American history and Mexican-American history as high school requirements. He denied us the vote. His attacks and sabotaging of our history go back even further. In 2013, that's how far back I'm going, just for starters, he sponsored SB 1128, which would require Texas University students to take a U.S. history course to graduate. That sounds nice. That's not what his intention was, though. He didn't have any nice intentions. He never shared the contents of his desired course. Also, he never addressed the fact that U.S. history is already required to graduate from high school. Students are already getting this at the high school level and the middle school level. The other thing, this would demote Mexican American history and African American history to electives only. Okay? That means enrollment would drop, courses would be eliminated, professors specializing in those fields would get fired, ethnic studies would be decimated. Does that sound familiar? Okay? It sounds like he's up to the same thing again. Guess what? We stopped him then. Do we have to stop him again? And I'm going to tell you why I'm an expert on this. My name is Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Why am I the Libro Traficante? Because 10 years ago, right-wing Republicans in Arizona banned Mexican-American history. That's right. By the way, if you didn't hear about that, think about that. The erasure of our history has been erased. Okay? We were so alarmed by that here in Houston that I and four veteran members of Nuestra Palabra, Brian Parras, Laura Razo, Liana Lopez, and Lupe Mendez, veterans of Nuestra Palabra, we organized the Libro Traficante Caravan to smuggle back into Arizona the books from the outlawed curriculum. And we said if our history was going to be banned, we were going to make more. We joined the people of Tucson to defy this attack on intellectual freedom. We helped spark a movement across the Southwest and then all of America. Our community our community cultural capital, united to overturn that racist law in 2017. We learned a lot during those campaigns. Supporting and studying the lawsuit to overturn that ban taught us how to spot other states trying to copy parts of Arizona suppression. Texas and Dan Patrick were early adopters of Arizona suppression. SB 1128 is just one example Is this another one? Okay. 
Dan Patrick needs to make it clear if he thinks Mexican-American history and African-American history fall under his definition of CRT. Very direct, simple question. And he pushed us to this moment. We as Libro Traficantes are preparing to mark the 10th anniversary of the 2012 Libro Traficante caravan. We got the buses getting ready. We're stocking up on banned books. We're going to revisit and restock the Libro Traficante underground libraries that we opened back then. And we have a lot more cities and towns that are ready to open new underground library locations. You believe we got to do this again? We're ready for that. We just need to know if we need to descend on Austin first. And we just need to know if Dan Patrick is after our history once again. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. This has been a multimedia broadcast of Latino politics and news. You're experiencing it across social media platforms, or you're listening to it on KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston's community station, or you're watching it on fox26houston.com. I want to thank our team, Roxana Guzman, who is our social platforms producer, Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who's our audio producer. Radimus Ortiz is in charge of our search engine optimizations. Mark Anthony Pinon is our graphic designs chief. Leti Lopez is our musical director. And Brian Paras, Liana Lopez, Lupe Mendez, our co-hosts and producers, Emeritus. Thanks for tuning in. Go out and vote. Stay involved. Thank you. <laughs>